Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, your host, and thank you so much as always for being here. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much to everyone who's left a review on iTunes. It means the world to me. And if you do really like the show and you haven't yet, go ahead and leave one. And I'm loving the Facebook crew. It is so much fun to hang out with you guys in there. And if you haven't joined that, the link will be in the show notes. So today's episode, I want to keep this intro really short. I do have one really big announcement that I'm going to make. It's not that big. Whatever, I'll just make it now. The announcement is that my book is coming out April 5th, which is so exciting. And I have a cool opportunity for you guys, the people who listen to the podcast. And the opportunity is to be part of my ambassador group for the book. So if you want to be part of that crew, go to thewellnesswonderland.com slash crew thewellnesswonderland.com slash crew and you can apply to be an ambassador and be part of the inside crew and all the information is there. I'm not even going to get into it more but I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited for the book. I'm getting ready for the book launch and it's big, it's fun, it's exciting and I'm really happy about it. So I can't wait for my book to be in your hands. It's called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. It's 55 journaling prompts that I wrote and curated myself, and I love them, and I love the book, and I can't wait for you to have it. All right, on to this week's episode, which is also very exciting, and I want to prep you to go into this with an open mind. It's a topic that might not be something you're comfortable talking about. We're talking about sex. We're talking about our vaginal health as women, as females. And this was something that I really hated talking about and felt really awkward talking about and still do in a lot of ways, but I've gotten better about it and I've learned a lot, mostly because of this week's podcast guest, Kim Anami. And if you don't know Kim, you might. She's really famous online and an expert in her field of sexual health. And I discovered her about a year ago, and you'll hear all about that. But I took her course, Vaginal Kung Fu, which we talk about in this podcast as well, last winter, and it really, really blew my mind. I learned so much from it, and I learned so much from Kim because she is really radical in the things that she talks about. It's not what is mainstream, unfortunately, and I learned so much from her that I had to share her on the podcast, even though it's different from a lot of the other guests. It's different from the typical things that I share, and I think it's important. I think it's really important to talk about this. And I loved her course, Vaginal Kung Fu. So if you do want to check out her course, go to bit.ly slash Kim, K-I-M, Kung Fu, K-U-N-G-F-U. So bit.ly slash Kim Kung Fu. I made a nice little link for you. Um, It's also in the show notes, so you can just go there. But it's the link to the free video training series um, that she gives about vaginal kung fu that you can 
listen to, you can watch, and you can see if it feels like a fit for you. And for me, honestly, I was really scared to go and do the course. I was like, this is so intense for me. I'm not sure if I want to do this. And I'm really glad I did. It was outside of my comfort zone. So maybe you're feeling the same way. If you have any questions at all, go ahead and email me. My email is katydalebout, my name, at gmail.com. You can email me. I just gave it away on the podcast. And you can connect with me in the Facebook crew as well as always. Um, But I I love Kim. I love the things that she shares. Like I said, we're talking about sex and she's talking in very adult terms. So if you are listening to this with kids around, just pop in your headphones uh, and enjoy the episode. Again, go into it with an open mind and I can't wait to hear your feedback, hear your thoughts, hear your questions. And again, thank you so much for trusting me to be your curator to bring you fresh content every week that is different. I want to talk about health in the physical sense and the emotional sense and the sexual sense because it's all connected and I really want us to live these beautiful lives where we have beautiful relationships and beautiful emotions and a beautiful home and a beautiful life in general. So those are all the things I want to cover in my podcast. So thank you so much for bearing with me as I discover new things all the time and who knows what we'll be talking about a year from now so enjoy this episode I can't wait to hear your feedback and I'll talk to you soon I'm so excited for today's guest It is one of my recent gurus, Kim Anami, and she is a sex, life, and intimacy coach and a spiritual globe-trotting entrepreneur who is just all-around super wise, inspiring woman. I adore her, and her coaching is a spiritual synthesis of two decades of tantra, Taoism, Osho, transpersonal psychology, philosophy, and a host of quantum growth accelerating practices that she uses to help propel her clients into stratospheres of connection, intimacy, energy, and creativity. And she doesn't work with people one-on-one anymore, but she hosts VIP retreats, which I want to go to someday. And she has amazing online courses, which I have participated in and highly, highly recommend. We'll talk about those today. Um, And I'm just so excited to have her here. And she's really super famous and her musings on life and love and sex have been everywhere from Elle to Marie Claire to Glamour, Women's Health, Cosmopolitan, BuzzFeed, GQ, CNN, so many more. I would could go on forever and basically she just lives an awesome life and divides her time between Bali, LA, Vancouver and a host of beaches in between but today she is here in the wellness wonderland with us. So thank you so much for stopping by Kim. My pleasure. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you, um, like me, found this work, um, spiritual work and philosophy and everything you're kind of into now at a very young age. So I would love to zoom the lens back and get to know kind of how you began to find the stuff that you're into now. 
Well, I guess for me, it began in my teenage years where I was interested in, like for me, I guess I describe it as I've always been interested in change and how people grow and the idea of transformation. And so I began exploring all kinds of different modalities from meditation, transpersonal psychology. I began studying herbal medicine and homeopathy to be able to take my own healing and health prevention in my own hands, exercise, nutrition, diet, all of these sorts of things were things that I was just doing to become a better version of myself. Like I was always interested in how we could change consciousness. When I was in my teen, earlier teen years, I would use things like drugs and alcohol, but I was always looking for a portal to another state of consciousness. So even in those experiences, I might like get high and then go paint in my room or go write for a while. And then when I got into all these other things, I realized that I could change my state of consciousness organically, that I could do that through my own efforts, which I think are much more valuable and powerful than doing it through an outside substance. And so there began my journey. And then from a young age, I always had an awareness of my sexual energy as this powerful, again, like a portal to another state of consciousness. I would have these cataclysmic sexual experiences, even from you know my early sexual experiences, where I felt like they catapulted me into this more centered, grounded, powerful, wise version of who I am. And so when I was in my early 20s, I learned about Tantra and Taoist sexuality. And I thought, oh, there's actually a whole formal branch of study, even though it's from 5,000 years ago, where people looked at sex the same way I did, where they looked at it as this vehicle to higher states of consciousness, as this way to touching the deeper parts of yourself, as this method for rejuvenation and healing, and then obviously this way to very, very powerfully connect with your partner and yourself, and then harness the power of that relationship to live a more, I would say, grounded, energized, creative, and orgasmic life. And so that stuff has just all been woven through my own personal history and study and travel. And I've basically, that's the foundation of the work that I do where I call myself a holistic sex and relationship coach because I draw in all these other philosophies and modalities as part of the intimacy coaching that I do. Yeah. So a couple of things I am curious about there. So in your teen years, you're starting out to change your consciousness through drugs and alcohol like like most people do. But how did you even find these practices in the first place? Were you, did you grow up kind of in a holistic um, household like with your parents or did was this something that like someone introduced you to or did you just kind of find it yourself? Definitely did not grow up in a holistic household at all. Uh, so I would say that they were things – I guess, like I said, like even when I would have those experiences, like using substances, instead of wanting to get totally obliterated and party all the time, which, you know, I have to say I did, but I would also want to go paint or write. Like I would just, it felt like it brought me in touch with my creativity. And so then I think I read Aldous Huxley's Doors of Perception, which talked about drug use, but also this idea of altered states of consciousness. And there was even this movie years ago called Altered States, which had William Hurt in it and featured these guys doing all kinds of different substances and then going into flotation tanks. Or So it was really, you know, mm. I think step by step, I began moving away from the idea that, you know, that drugs were the only way you could get there to all these other possibilities and that you could do this at will. And so I think it's like with anybody 
that as soon as you open up a little bit, I think we all get tossed clues throughout our growth and evolution in our lives every single day. And you either take the clue and you take the next step or you ignore it and you walk past it and you keep like walking the same route you've always walked. Where for me, I think there were... I was just hungry. I've always been hungry for this idea of transformation. Like that's really my mantra. That's even what the name Anami means, that there's always another level to go. So that theme, that energy has always been running through me as a person. And so for me, I guess I just kept stepping into those clues or those invitations to go a different route or a new route. And so it was just one thing would build on the next thing, would build on the next thing, where it's taken me all over the world and like in various types of um you know, education, self-education pursuits to just follow the next right thing. Yeah, it's funny. I'm just like smiling over here because that's really how it happened for me too. And I was really, really young when I first became, you know, into personal development and spirituality and holistic living and eating and all of it. And, um, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, well, you must have grown up with hippies eating nuts and berries. And like, <laughs> I did not at all. I just, yeah. somehow it found me. And, and then, you know, my next question I was going to ask you was like, when did you decide to make it this your career and share it with other people? And I know for me, it was just sort of this like organic, um, like I was so into it, I had to share it somehow. So thus we have the wildest wonderland and we're talking right now. Was it something like that similar for you? I would say so and um and when you say that it found you like I, like my view is that these things find us all the time and it's just whatever's innate in that person where they have a desire to grow and to learn and they have the courage to step into that, right? So, I mean, I would give you kudos for taking those steps because I think it's not like this magical thing that's bestowed upon you or me. We all get these opportunities and we all either walk into them or walk away from them. And to me, the real deciding factor there is around having courage because it takes courage to step into the unknown, to try something you haven't done before to try you know have faith that something new might work for you right and so that's the the deciding thing it's not like people get blessed with magical opportunities and some people don't that's what that's how I see it anyway or maybe on some karmic level you know you've earned a few opportunities but apart from that I think we all get those moments yeah I agree so um yeah, it it was organic where, like I said, it's just always been all of these things have been a part of my life since I was a teenager, all these different ways of, well, not, I mean, obviously not all of them from the start, but this idea that I was always looking for different tools to self-actualize, like that's another mantra for me is the concept of self-realization. And so after a while, like I'd be at a, I mean, I remember being at a workshop and someone was like, you should be leading this workshop. <laughs> like, And I was invited to assist the workshop and it just kind of went from there because my contributions were either very knowledgeable or, you know, wise or confident in some way that, you know, that was recognized. And then because I'd just been doing my own work for such a long time. And then it really just grew from there where I began stepping into that role of being more of a teacher and less of a student. I mean, I think I'm still always a student, but also now a teacher. Yeah. That's what I love about you, that you're so um, you know, always open to new things and always learning new things. And I think that you you have so many tools that I know just from doing your course. And um, what comes up with, with that is that everyone wants to know, in our Q&A calls, everyone wanted to know, like, 
everything Kim, Kim's world, you know, like what you do, what you eat, what you like, you know, a, around sex and feminine health. Yes. But then like other things too. And um, I think when someone's like really high vibe, that's just what we want. You know, we're like, all right, what's working for them? And we want to do it. And I think it can be a slippery slope because we're all really different. So you have to just know what works for you. But I think it can also be really inspiring and a great um, jumping off point for people, which is which is really great. And I love, love, love the, the meaning of Anami and um, that sense of like peeling back layers and peeling back layers. And I know I've shared this with you like through our, our work together that like each time I learn more, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I have so far to go. And for for people listening, you know, the next layer might be harnessing their sexual energy effectively. I know that was kind of the case for me. And I think um, sometimes, and you've, you've talked about this before, I think too, it's like sometimes we are really into um, personal growth and then we haven't worked on the sexual aspect of ourselves. We haven't worked on our sexual energy, but um, you kind of can't go any deeper until you do harness that energy. So I'd love to, you know, get into some of the deeper concepts that you teach a bit here. And if you could just address top line, like why it's so important for women, um, especially, and just people in general, I guess, to take away with the fact that harnessing their sexuality and using it to their advantage is really the next step if you're on this journey and you think that there's deeper to go, which there always is. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, we in our culture, we have this massive collective blind spot around sex where you know, like I, I often say we're sexually bipolar. Sex is everywhere. It's in the media, pop songs, advertising. And yet there's this massive taboo around actually having it and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And then women get kind of a double whammy. Like women are less, have less permission to enjoy it and have it. You know, women get labeled for being too sexually active or too desirous of sex. And women are often the most injured through sexual violence, right? And sexual yeah. assault. So there's even more recovery to be done there. And so it becomes even more of a challenge for women to claim this part of themselves. And yet it is this huge missing piece. And I have said that often on the wellness path, people are exploring their diet and exercise and, you know, things like yoga and meditation. And they often completely don't even think about their sex life as being this place that needs attention and that could have massive blockages. And I have actually, through my own experience and observing other people, seen that that's the cornerstone. Like that becomes probably the the most important piece of your whole equation. And I often refer to this amazing quote by Dr. Dean Ornish, who says, and I can't remember the exact quote, but he basically runs through all of these causes that are known to create illness in people, like say smoking, um, poor diet, stress, uh, it's like all of these massive factors. And he says, you know, the most important factor is the state of your intimate life. And so that is the thing that creates the most, I would say, bliss and energy. If it's thriving in your life, it uplifts every other part of your life. And if it isn't doing very well, it sucks every other part of your life into it like a vortex. And so everything gets affected by that. And yet we don't really realize it at the time. People often won't make that connection that the dismal state of their intimate relationship is having that kind of effect on them. And yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I was just like 
preach. No, this is so good. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. And what I've noticed as well, especially pertaining to women, is that you know, it's actually this very identifiable thing that women of woman is in touch with her sexual energy. She has this, what I call well-fucked glow. And yes. when she isn't, she's basically like just sinking away like a wallflower. You become invisible. I look at our sexual energy as being our life force energy. This is literally the energy that creates new life. And if you're not creating babies with that energy, you can tap into that energy and learn how to recirculate it and infuse it into your entire life. You can harness this energy to use as this creative, inspirational, revitalizing force in your life. And it's very, very powerful. This is the creative force, the essence of who we all are. And when you're not using that energy, it's like it just sucks into you, like, again, like this vortex. And whether you're single or in a relationship, you can still be tapping into this energy. I often say that some of my most well-fucked periods in my life have been when I was single, i.e. no partner whatsoever. And that's because I was learning how to and practicing tapping into that energy at will all the time. And so, um, you know, I also... I've written an article about this idea of the well-fucked woman in Playboy a few years back, and it actually connects to this concept that for millennia, it has been considered to be a medical condition where women who were not having enough sex or enough orgasms were diagnosed with something called hysteria, which means uneasy womb. Hyster is womb in Latin, and so it meant this womb that was wandering around looking for soul, for comfort yeah. <laughs> but couldn't find it. And so women would display these quote-unquote quote, symptoms of irritability, frustration, anger, sadness, depression, erratic mood swings because they were under fucked. And so the remedy began to be to go and have sex or to have an orgasm. And then in the 1800s, Victorian doctors were actually giving their female patients orgasms in their offices. And it became such a finger-weary process that they ended up inventing the vibrator so that they could attend to more women more efficiently. That's why we have vibrators is because so many of these women had hysteria and we're coming so to their doctors to get what was called an hysterical paroxysm or what we now call orgasm from the doctor. So this was considered like a medical necessity. And I agree, it is a medical necessity. And, yeah. the, and the symptoms truly are that obvious that, you know, women are suffering in all these different ways that they do not attribute to being disconnected from their sexuality. It's so crazy to me that this is just such a organic, needed part of our lives, yet it's just so overlooked and so many women are going to die without, it's just sad to say, but like they're not going to find your work. I hope they do, but they're, they may not find your work or they may just not even know this information ever and they'll die without having harnessed even a smidgen of their sexual energy. And it's so natural and innate to us, but somewhere, I guess, with society, we just like you said, went went astray from it, but it's so natural to us. And that's why I know for me, I was feeling that, but I had no clue it was connected to sex and my sexuality. I might have had like some sort of inkling, but I was actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, Kim, about like how I found your work, but I was working with 
a coach, a life coach, and she was amazing. And through our work together, she like sent me the link to your course and was like, I'm signing you up for this. You're doing this. (laughs) And I was like, "Um, all right, then cool. But then I looked at it and I was like, oh my God. All right. Yeah. This is like spot on to what I need. And I was just like, I can't even believe that this exists. Like it was so, it was just so funny and like, it, ga- it gives me chills to even like talk about because I, I remember like reading the description and I think you have like a free video training series for yeah. it. We're talking about vaginal kung fu is the, the course that I participated in with Kim. She has a couple other ones, but that's the one that I have the most experience with right now. And it actually just completed and she had, yeah, you have this video training series and I watched it and I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe that this exists. This is like crazy um, because it was so spot on to what I needed. So if people listening are like me, which many of my listeners are, um, you probably are feeling the same way hearing Kim talk and you're like, yep, that's me. And I even had resistance to it. I was even like, I know this is what I need, but I don't even want to do it. It was like, it's interesting how that happens. Do you notice that with your clients? Like it's, um, it can be so foreign tapping into this area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is that spiritual principle that often what we resist is what we yeah. need the most, right? Yep. And then I think the, you know, it can be a bit scary, like the the journey into really connecting to your sexual energy, especially if you've disconnected from it, can be scary. And that not, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it can't, you know, I think it can be a big wild, amazing experience. And like Mm -hmm. anything like that, you might feel just this sort of tremor of excitement or nervousness or just the unknown because it's this big place that's still, that's available and within you that you may have ignored for a very long time. And so, and, you know, and by its, by its sort of nature, I think it will, it necessitates growth. Like I said, this is literally the energy that creates new life. And so there could be a part of us that resists change, knowing that when we tap into this energy, things are going to start moving in our life like I think a life that's characterized by lack of sexual connection like connect to connecting to our own sexual energy would be a life that's stagnant and the more that you really connect to that energy your life becomes becomes in motion you begin to move you begin to transform you begin to really uh, embody who you are and also create more like more of your ideas come to life in your reality yeah that's how I felt for sure stagnant is a great great way to describe it and and from doing these practices and and working with with you it's definitely helped with that and I'm I'm on the path to helping with that but I I think a good comparison is like you know when you're learning a new instrument or something or like a new language or something like you don't want to do it because it's hard because it's new and then after a while it's really fun and really amazing so I think it's kind of like that um so could you talk about like the genesis of vaginal kung fu and like was that one of the first courses you created or um did you really see a need in in your community for something like that I'd love to hear about that well one of the first courses I created was how to be a well-fucked woman and then I had a portion of that course that was 
I taught the jade egg, the vaginal weightlifting, vaginal kung fu practice. And that was a small part of that course. And then the more that I saw people go through that, the well-fucked woman, I realized that that whole thing should be its own eight-week program because it was so deep and so much involved in it that there was, it would be like completely even, not even enough to devote eight weeks to this practice. Yeah. And so I learned about, so the whole jade egg weightlifting for the vagina is an ancient Taoist practice that was taking place about 5,000 years ago within the Taoist culture. And so they had a whole sexual medicine healing system where the same way that they looked at acupuncture and herbal medicine, they looked at sex as medicine. And so you would go to see your doctor of the day. They would do a pulse reading or tongue diagnosis or whatever other means they used to see where you were at or had imbalances. And let's say that you were diagnosed with weak or deficient kidneys. You'd be given a set of herbs to take home and cook up. You'd be given some acupuncture and then you'd be told to go home and have sex three times a day in reverse cowgirl position for 30 days because this would direct healing energy to your kidneys and the two various organ and meridian systems in your body. And so uh, part of that whole school was using for women the jade egg as this way to strengthen the vagina, to tone the pelvic floor, to support the internal organs. This would then increase orgasm, increase sexual pleasure, create the ability to lubricate more naturally, well, profuse lubrication really, because if you have weak circulation in the vagina, you can't lubricate properly, um, to be able to squirt, all of these things, deep, have deeper vaginal orgasms. There's so many benefits to having a an exercise vagina. So I learned about this practice I mean, probably 15 plus years ago and began doing it. And then over the years, as I was working with women, they would talk to me about how their Kegels weren't working for them. And I had tried Kegels at the same, you know, probably most women have and just found them to be really ineffective. And so most women just think to themselves, hmm, I guess they don't work for me, but I, you know, you're supposed to do them, but I guess I just can't or some, some version of that. And so many women would come to me over the years and say, my Kegels don't work. And I'm like, they don't work for anybody. <laughs> and so I began teaching the JDA, the vaginal weightlifting class. And women would have incredible results. Like I was working with this woman who was 45 years old, recently divorced, had had urinary incontinence like when she would exercise for 20 years, basically since she had her child. And within one week of using the egg, her urinary incontinence was gone that she'd been trying to get rid of for 20 years. I've had other amazing stories where menopausal women are now lubricating. They didn't want to go on any kind of hormones and they just decided, well, I'm going to try this to see if it works. And they get full on lubrication coming back. Um, women who have been helped with premenstrual syndrome, with having lighter periods, with uh, the emotional mental stuff that goes with heavy, heavier periods, like all kinds of stuff, not to mention more orgasmic potential, having a much yeah. stronger vagina. You know, one of my clients is like, my boyfriend tells me, tells her to stop using it because she's getting too tight. He's afraid. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> afraid she's going to hurt him. So, um, you know, and so, and the interesting thing is the actual Kegel exercise that Dr. Alfred Kegel invented in 1947 involves putting a device into your vagina. It's not just flapping your vagina at random in the wind. You actually need feedback and resistance to, to make strength. It's just like going to the gym, staring at a set of weights, not touching them and going home and said you had a workout. Obviously you did nothing. When you actually pick up a weight and say press with your bicep, that's how we build muscle. When 
need resistance and feedback, period. And the vagina is no different. And so the more that I would talk about this practice and as I've like promoted it, it's just caught on fire because I think everybody has this similar experience where they've tried Kegels and their Kegels don't work. And so that something resonates with them about how their vagina is feeling numb and it doesn't have to be. You know, my idea is that the baseline for every single healthy functioning vagina on the planet should be able to shoot ping pong balls. That should be the norm instead of us thinking that that's the unusual thing that happens at freak shows in Thailand, where, you know, where in North America, we think it's normal that women have urinary incontinence. We think it's normal. Like I was I interviewing with someone the other day and she said, you know, I've got some, you know, since I've had my child eight years ago, I have uh, stress induced, like whatever, exercise or sneeze or cough based incontinence. And she said, I know I'm normal though. So I don't judge myself. I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's like, it might be normalized, but it's not natural. Yeah. You know, that's not natural. That's, that's like, that's, a, a, that's just crazy that that's become natural or normal. And so, um, to me, the base, like that's, but that's the sad state of current vaginal culture is that people think that's normal. And to me, the opposite ought to be the way is that vaginas ought to be able to open, you know, pickle bottles or beer bottles and like shoot mm -hmm. darts across the room. That is how a normal, articulate, sentient vagina, those are things that a vagina ought to be able to do. It ought to have that much ability to articulate and feel different areas of it, just like a hand, just like your hand can grip something pick it up, touch, you know, with this part of your hand, like grip with these fingers, but not the other fingers, your vagina can do exactly the same thing. So <clears throat> I think the response to the, like when people find out about this through my different marketing efforts and whatnot is that there, there's just this overwhelming voice of truth. Like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we shouldn't be living with this kind of dysfunction because that's not normal. I want to have a healthy functioning vagina that can have regular orgasms and you can, every single woman can. Yeah. And I think the, the best thing about your marketing is that people are like, oh my God, she's saying everything I'm thinking or saying things that I didn't even like think that anyone would ever say. And, and so I think it's like so great that you're so authentic and real and sharing information that everyone should know about but really isn't talked about by anyone else. There's no one really else that I know of um, doing this work in this way. And what I told you, you know, in the course is just I love how holistic it is. And um, the jade egg practice is great. And especially um, you mentioned for older women, you know, it, it's great for those things. But I think, you know, for younger women like me, it's great to, um, you know, not not really even preventative, but like I'm sure that's an effect of it too. But like mm. we don't really know how to use our vaginas at all, even though they might still be really strong. Um, they, or, you know, they haven't had children or they haven't aged as much. Like I had, had no, I, no clue I could isolate things in different sides or, you know, much less try to lift weight with them, like n no clue at all. So I think, um, that part is great, but then I just want to mention too, and, and Kim, you can talk about this too, but like in the course, there's so much other stuff, um, that I found maybe even more useful or just as useful and like just Kim's tips on everything from herbs and other practices and we did an entire week on um, breasts which was really interesting and just like all this stuff honestly blew my mind you guys like it was just so um, different from anything else I'd ever heard and I think um, my whole sexual experience hadn't been 
you know, deep or hadn't, I haven't known any of these practices really existed. And something that, that Kim, you talk about a lot, um, and I was curious about this kind of in your intro when you were talking about um, your early sexual experiences and you always knew that you were connected, but I was wondering, and you, you talk a lot about the difference between gourmet sex and fast food sex. And so I'd love if you could explain what that means to people. And then also like, how did you just always go in feeling like you were in gourmet sex or did you have to kind of work up to that? Um, yeah, I mean, like first uh, to address what you said about, say, the course, the vaginal kung fu course, yeah. like that's, you know, my whole approach is multifaceted. So the reason why I say don't just sell jade eggs on my website and mail them out to people is because if I did that, people would get probably very little benefit from doing that Not, because the yeah. work that we, yeah, the work that we do in the course is this whole emotional healing, psychological, like examining your beliefs, energetic, spiritual type, re education about all things vagina that we want to work to me to really have effective healing and change you need to hit things on as many levels as possible so physical emotional psychological and spiritual and otherwise it just doesn't stick you know it's like it's like an you know maybe it's like going to the gym for a little bit, but not really looking at your diet or your, you know, your beliefs around how you eat, for example. Like it has to be this really whole person approach. So um, the idea with junk food sex versus gourmet sex is I, you know, I think I was quite fortunate that somehow in my early experiences, I had some really, like my very first orgasm was a cervical orgasm, which is what we consider to be like the deepest, most profound kind of spiritually transcendent experience or orgasmic experience for a woman. And so that really set the bar for me about like, I didn't even find my clitoris until a couple, two or three years later after that, you know? And so, um, that was always kind of there, I guess, this idea. But, you know, over the years, I really began to see that the more in the same way that I just mentioned, it's a multidimensional experience where your heart is in it, your mind is in it, you're spiritually connected, and then you're sexually attracted. Those made the most powerful experiences. And I would have these, you know, orgasms and experiences where I would walk out feeling totally chained. Like I said, this very, um, changed but myself like a more clear centered wise powerful version of myself and that would not just end when I got out of bed you know I would walk through my day or even like days later or a week later still feeling the effects of that and so you think of that if you're having a relationship where you're constantly engaged on those levels you're always being fed with this rich nutritional gourmet energy this sexual food energy on the contrary if you're in really like casual sex encounters and I don't have any judgment about this like I've certainly had my share of those and it's really through all these experiences that I can say that I'm only addressing this from an energetic standpoint that when you are say in a casual sex experience and you're cutting off your emotions to be able to do that without getting too attached you're just depriving yourself of a deeper more pleasurable experience so everyone can choose you know where they want to go and how they show up in those sorts of things but you get the most energy power revitalization and growth in your life when you're cultivating gourmet sex experiences with someone yeah and it's not really possible to fully shut off all of that emotion 
Right. That's yeah, exactly. We can try, but that's why those things become painful <laughs> is that they're not that easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so and I'll just say, and not yeah. that natural to do like the heart, you know, deep down, I think we all want deep soul connections, right? We all want that. We yeah. might think we can't have it or people, other people think they can't have it. And so we come together in these very fractioned ways but, you know, the stuff that nourishes them, us the most powerfully are these deeper, multi-level connections. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, your course is, you know, I'm singing its praises because I just finished it and it was, like, so amazing. But I'd love to give the people listening some actionables that they can take away right now to start tapping into their feminine energy and their sexual energy and just feel a bit more sexually free and expressed just after listening to this conversation? Well, I mean, the the first thing I would suggest is going to my website and signing up for there are free video series that I have. One is for the well-fucked woman and one is for vaginal kung fu. And, you know, I have other ones, like one is for couples and another for men. And, um, these will give you all kinds of information and ideas and techniques that you can even try. They're all for free and practice at home. It'll give you lots of things to stimulate your imagination. I'll put the links below for those too. Right. And, um, and then there's also techniques to do that. And in particular in the well-fucked woman, I talk about a breathing technique that'll help you tune into your sexual energy more effectively. So, um, it's probably be- better for you to actually go watch the video than me try to walk you through it right here because you'll get more out of it. Um, but that would be my suggestion is that there's things in those series that you can use right away, like watch today and practice tonight, basically. Yeah, that's actually a good call because a lot of people listen to the show while they're driving or walking or whatever. So I think it would be a good thing to like sit down, listen to those, take some notes. That's what I did. Um, and is the breathing in there, the microcosmic orbit? I don't I don't know that I refer to it as that. I talk about the breathing mm-hmm. in the Well Fucked Woman. And I don't I don't know that I talk about it in the Vaginal Kung Fu series, but I do in the Well Fucked Woman. There's a whole video on the whole Taoist history of these practices for women and uh, a bit on the Jade Egg, and then I run exactly through how to do this breathing technique. Sweet. Okay, cool. Yeah. So for the people listening, the microcosmic orbits, this rad breathing technique that she goes over in depth in um, vaginal kung fu and it's really life-changing so yeah just another cool tool Um, so you have some background I read as an actor and a performer and I was wondering is this still something that you pursue and does having those skills and that background help you in your current business it isn't something that I do currently. It was a part of my life many like years ago when I was about 20 and I was living in London and I wanted to learn method acting. And so the way that it does apply though is is actually a very foundational piece of how I work, which is there's two real schools of acting. There's the idea that when you um, 
you know, are taking on a role, say you have to be angry in a scene. So you think, okay, what does an angry person look like? You, you, you jump up and down, you wave your fists, you furrow your brow, you raise your voice, you stomp your feet, you know, like, like that's what anger looks like. Right. And then method acting would say, okay, try to think of a time in your life when you were really angry and get into that energy, like really bring the memory back into your being, embody that, and then just sort of, and then just sort of express from that place. And you, you come up with this much more authentic, visceral expression of that emotion. And so Marlon Brando is this very famous method actor. And Dustin Hoffman is as well. And there's this really uh, funny old story where Laurence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman are acting in this production together. Laurence Olivier is the former kind of actor, more like adding on, where Dustin Hoffman is more like the stripping off, like getting to the raw essence. And so to prepare for this role that... Um, he, or the scene that he had this morning, he was playing, Dustin Hoffman was playing this character who'd stayed up all night and hadn't slept. And so in preparation, like he stayed up all night and he didn't sleep and he ran around the block like six times. So he'd come into the studio, like all disheveled and falling apart. And Laurence Olivier looked at him and he's like, you know, why don't you just try acting? It's much easier. <laughs> and, and so my whole you know, philosophy is that we become in our lives, in civilization, we take on all these behaviors and mechanisms, defenses even, that are not a true expression of who we are. We, we build them up over time. And so my view is that the work for us is to strip away those layers, is to try to identify them and then slowly peel them off of us to reveal a much more, um, you know, pure version of who we are underneath that. And so that is more of the method acting style versus the other type of, you know, approach to acting. And so that's been really how I've approached more my life, my own growth, how I approach my work. And, you know, if anything, I mean, I, I love public speaking. Like when I was even in grade school, my dad made me do public speaking as like as an elective. And I'm like so grateful to this day because like it really helps, I think, over the years. But You're so probably, good at it. Thank you. Like some of my acting experiences as well, where you just get into this place of like, instead of trying to be a public speaker I just come out and be myself yeah. you know like I my that's the that's my technique isn't like I watch people sometimes on stage like they walk three steps to the left and then they walk <laughs> three steps to the right and then they put their hands behind their back and it's like you know they've been trained to do that yeah. right and it's like very forced yeah and so and I'm not moved by that right like right. I'm moved by raw authentic expression years ago I went to see have you heard of cat power Chad Marshall the singer no, but I'll look her up. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So she's this like amazing singer songwriter, like really deep, gorgeous, beautiful songs. And I'd heard that oh, when wait, she did performs, she give a TED talk? I don't know if she did. She might have given Sounds one. Familiar. Sorry, go on. No problem. Um she uh, so when she performs, I read that she often has breakdowns, like she'll have a breakdown on stage and she'll like stop singing in the middle of a song and just move on to another song if she's not feeling it. Oh, wow. And so I went to her show, like all kind of curious, like I wanted to see her anyway, but I was even more curious after reading this about her. And then during the performance, that's basically what happened. Like she was in the middle of this one song and she's just like, ah, I'm not feeling it. So she moves on to another song. <laughs> and I thought that is the most raw, authentic, beautiful performance I've ever 
ever seen because she was being completely true to herself of what she could actually embody and sing in that moment rather than someone who forces themselves through a set list day in and day out, night in and night out over a tour. Not that you can't have moving performances, people who do those things, but I can see how it can be a challenge. And I think that the level of just that raw, like absolute like loyal to the moment energy that came through in her show was, was incredible. It was like a once in a lifetime thing to watch somebody embody something so purely and fiercely. Oh my God. That is so cool that it really reminds me. Like I, um, I remember being, I was at the XX concert like a couple of years ago and I was listening to them like recreate this music that you hear on, on, you know, the CD or your iPod or whatever. Yeah. And it's, and it's yeah. just such a moving spiritual experience to like see that live like happening in front of you. And it's like the same, but a little bit different. And just, it was just crazy. And I recently heard like Taylor Swift say in an interview that when she's singing her songs and she writes her own music during the actual song, she's so into like the feeling of whatever happened that, that. that she, um, like you can see it in her face, you can see it when she performs, that she's so in it, like she must be method acting at that point. Yeah, And then she says, as soon as she hears the applause from the audience, she can snap out of it. But before that, she's in it. And it just, it reminds me of that. Um, yeah, that's a great example of that is people who really – like that's the, that is like it's like a method acting approach yeah. when you really kind of evoke that emotion that brought you there to begin with. Yeah, which is so cool. I'm so glad I asked that question. People are probably thinking it was off topic, but I, I loved your answer because it's so true. You know, with, with everything you do, you can tell it's so real. Like you're just like, look, this is my experience and it's really helped me, so take it or leave it. And that's how I feel about – all of your work, which which I think is the best, you know, and that's something, you know, I say the wellness wonderland, the land of radical authenticity. And right. that's, that's what I really feel is, you know, needed to, for us to just feel good, not even for other people definitely appreciate it and feel it and sense it. But um, you feel better when you're when you're being authentic. Absolutely. And sometimes it's not easy to get there for any of us, right? Like there might be moments when we feel disconnected and out of sorts. And then the work is always trying to come back to that center, you know, like and having tools that bring us back there. And I would say that for me, the reason why I'm so passionate about sexuality is that that's been one of my major tools for coming back to my center. And not that you should have sex when you're like really off your center to try to get there. But I mean, like as an ongoing discipline practice, I guess, just the way I like, you know, you have, you meditate to keep, to bring yourself back, to tune into your inner wisdom, your inner voice, where for me, like sex was always one of those, like, it's like in my arsenal of personal growth tools yeah. that it would help to bring me back to my center and not just because of the biochemical release, which is awesome, but at this energetic, rather spiritual core that it had that power to do that. Yeah. And a lot of people feel depleted by sex, but that's something, you know, you have, coffee breaks where you give yourself energy through it. And I think that that's really important too. Right. And that's a great point. Like my barometric question for people is, is your sex life deeply pleasurable, rejuvenating, energizing, and life-changing? And if it isn't, you're doing it wrong. And that's not a judgment. It's simply to say that the best ways and I think the purpose of being sexual is to get that connection both with yourself and your partner, but also to recharge yourself, to re-energize yourself. And there are ways to do that. And that's what I talk about. So those breathing techniques 
techniques. And like I said, yeah, you said I do this throughout the day. If I'm having like a lull energetically in my day, I might go off and have a self-pleasuring session, which I call a quote unquote coffee break, which is like me going to basically harness some of that sexual energy. And breath is a huge part of that. And the breathing technique that I share in that video will show you exactly how to do that. But basically that you can use your breath to move and recirculate your sexual energy in your system so that it becomes this biochemical high or this energetic high that you get from tapping into your sexual energy. Yeah, and it's something you have to learn because I think what's unfortunately what's intuitive for most of us is holding our breath. Um, Exactly. Most people, as they build to orgasm and they get to orgasm, they tend to hold the breath, breathe really shallow, and tighten up the body. And what you really want to do, especially as you approach orgasm, is relax and breathe and breathe and breathe. Because that's how you harness and harvest sexual energy is when you breathe. Breath carries energy. It moves energy throughout the body. So as soon as you start to breathe, you're going to be able to move that energy through your system. Yeah, I, I love that. And it really harnesses creativity. And you've said before, Kim, that you will write after those experiences or do something creative because you're so, um, you know, that's what you're, that's what sex kind of does. It cultivates creativity. Sometimes you're creatively creating a person or a project or something. Absolutely. Yeah, I do feel that where and that's that's again the barometer is then you know that you've quote done it right <laughs> in terms of harvesting that energy if you feel energized and creative afterward. Where when I've taught this technique to men who would typically after a sexual experience pass out, right? We've yeah. all seen that when men basically literally roll over and fall asleep because they've so depleted themselves. Where I've had men basically be saying, Oh, I I'm ready to go to the gym. <laughs> like, what's next? You know, like they want to go for a run or work out. They have so much energy, which is foreign to them because it's not typical. Yeah. I love this. Um, this is such a great conversation. I feel like it's just going to be groundbreaking for people because it was so groundbreaking for me because, you know, this stuff, unfortunately, isn't taught in schools and isn't really that prevalent in the media in this way at all. So I I am really grateful that I'm sort of being the media with this and, and sharing this you with more people. So I'm excited for people to hear this already. <laughs> um, but now I want to get personal with you and ask, not that this hasn't already been pretty personal, but ask about my signature questions. So can you walk us through your morning routine and some of the specifics that you do your first few things in the morning and why that's important for how the rest of your day goes? Okay. Um, well, if I'm sleeping with my partner, we would have sex. Uh, if I'm not sleeping with my partner, then I, well, okay, let's say that would be when I'm with my partner. But then after that, I would um, probably like do some like, well, I meditate. I mean, apart from taking care of whatever morning like human things you have to do, um, I meditate first thing in the morning for 20 minutes. So I do a short spiritual reading and I meditate. And then I prepare some kind of healthy breakfast. Like I like to make these giant superfood smoothies. Uh, like kind of I'm very health and diet oriented. And then depending on the day of the week, I'll go for either a workout at the gym or if I'm someplace I can surf, I'll go surfing. So basically for me, it's always like some kind of, I always meditate without fail in the morning. I always make love in the morning without fail if I'm with my partner and some kind of physical activity, which might be early in the morning or a bit later in the morning. 
I love that. Um, I have to share with you, I've been doing your mantra meditation. Yeah. And it's great. I love it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad. We'll share with the people listening, but um, Kim taught me to chant Hugh. And um, it, could you share the meaning of that? Sure. The word Hugh, H-U, is an ancient name for God, and it's found throughout many different cultures and religions all over the world. It's been found in Africa, in Celtic writings, and Rumi even writes about it in some of his work. He talks about Hugh, the name of God. So it's pronounced just like the male name Hugh, and the way to use it as a mantra is basically a way to uplift your state of consciousness, to get in your center, to heal or open your heart, to help help you if you feel sad or troubled and even as a use uh, means of protection for yourself uh, has a very high vibration so what you would do is just sit quietly close your eyes find some place that you won't be disturbed and I would look at your the place between your eyebrows just very gently put your attention there and then think of someone or something that you love so it could be a person it could be a pet a place that you like to be and then you inhale and on the exhale you just gently chant so you do that for anywhere from five to 15 minutes or whatever you're comfortable with if you're just starting you might want to do it for less time and then at the end of that just sit for say three to five minutes quietly and if you have any questions that you want to ask of your higher self you could ask the question say before you start chanting and just ask your higher self for whatever kind of guidance or wisdom it has for you yes oh it's so good so I've been doing that and then I'll journal afterwards and it's so cool I love awesome it. I'm so yeah. glad that you're having a positive experience with yeah it. thank you so much for sharing that and, and breaking it down for everybody so maybe people can join us yeah um, and then the other thing that you really taught me that I wanted to share with people that um that was probably the biggest um, personal thing that I learned from you with coaching and that's something else like Kim talks to me one-on-one in coaching like we she answers everybody's questions and if you don't want to um, and this is I mean in her courses so if you don't even want to talk to her directly or speak to her directly which I highly recommend because um, I feel like that's even more of a powerful experience but you can also write your questions in via email and she'll she answers every single one of them Um, which I thought was really awesome. But anyways, one of the things that came up for me was I was really in my head with this stuff. And um, Kim, you probably remember this, but I was just really overthinking and thinking that there's so much to do and, and grow. And exercise was kind of Kim's answer of like really being able to get out of your head with this stuff. So could you talk about that a little bit and how um, physical exercise and re- really helps to when you're in your head too much to kind of shift out of that? That's a really good point. And I think it's also a really good point for women because I think men are probably more encouraged to be in their bodies, like to be physical in sports and the like, where women, a, a way that can help you reconnect to your sexuality can be helping to just embody more physically. Mm-hmm. And so like I, from, and, and, and if you don't have a sexual partner and you want to help, I think tune into your sexual energy, do the practices that, you know, are talked 
talked about these breathing practices, but getting in your body, like doing something like yoga or Pilates, and I like going to the gym and doing high intensity interval training as well, just helps to bring you into yourself and ground you. Where, especially if you're someone who finds yourself too much in your head, the best thing is to get into your body. So go and self pleasure for half an hour, go to the gym, go to yoga, go for a walk. Something that gets you in your body can be so, so amazing to just get you out of your head. Yeah, all of the above. And I think too, you know, for me, I used to only think, and everyone, most people listening, if they're not new to me, kind of know my story with this stuff. But for me, exercise was completely to manipulate my body. And that perspective really changed. And I was like, it doesn't really matter about my physical aesthetics. It's more for a mental clarity type thing here. And the physical aesthetics can kind of be an side effect or an afterthought. And I think that's something that you really agree with too. Absolutely. I've always said that, that for years, like exercise has been my salvation. You know, like you get all these, there's even different exercises that stimulate different neurotransmitters and hormones. Like for example, yoga creates GABA, which is an anti-anxiety neurotransmitter in the brain. Pushing weights creates dopamine, which is the cocaine high. You know, running will create, I believe it's acetylcholine and endorphins, which are, you know, another set. Like acetylcholine is really good for creativity. So all these different things. And so I've known about this over the years. See, I've told you, like, I don't get high using drugs anymore. Like I'm very selective about the different activities and very knowledgeable about what they can do for people. Um, But yeah, this becomes a means that you can shift your state of consciousness. And the the side benefit is, oh, great, you get fit too. But for me, it's just this amazing way to come into myself. It's another tool, just the way I said I use that sex that way, to come into myself, come into my being. You get this offshoot, like these biochemical, amazing, positive reactions. And then this even further benefit, you know, that to me is sort of like third in line as a benefit where you get physically fit at the same time. Mm, I love that. So good. Um, So now the other end of my usual question, could you walk us through some of your evening rituals and routines and maybe the last few things you do before you go to bed? Um, that's a good question. So I, depending where I am, like sometimes I'm in parts of the planet, like when I spend my time in Bali and Indonesia, usually I'm staying in places either like very like I I stay in one place it's like a cliffside villa and it's all open air there's no bright lights in there and so I like to get into that space into the dark to kind of help my body to tune into its own natural rhythms to you know to wind down in the evening and or I'm staying on a boat where again you know things get like they get dark you're out in nature so things get dark very easily and we end up going to bed at like nine o'clock at night you know ten o'clock at night really easily because your body's much more in tune with natural rhythms when I'm in the city I find that um you know, I try to dim the lights if I'm in a room and I'm still working. I try to dim the lights uh, so that my body gets like, you know, not affected by electricity to keep me awake. I would, uh, when I'm in the city, I'm usually doing more work on my computer. <laughs> when I'm out in some place like Indonesia, I generally don't do any computer work after say six o'clock, you know, or even earlier. I try to do anything like that earlier in the day and then keep the rest of my day, you know, computer free. Um, let's see what else would I do and then I try to do some kind of a spiritual reading before I go to sleep because I believe that we can also implant 
consciousness in our dream state so we can uplift our state of consciousness before we go to sleep just the way we try to program in a positive way our consciousness when we wake up and so I'll chant before I go to sleep also use that mantra hue for me maybe less maybe not the full 20 minutes but anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes before I go to sleep maybe do some journaling sometimes I'll do some affirmations or just ask like ask the universe like what is the like if I need clarity on something right like what is the answer for this or what's the path for me to take or what's my truth on this please give me some guidance on this like I really believe that to get universal help we need to ask for it in fact it's considered to be a spiritual law that the universe or your guides cannot help you unless you ask they cannot help without your permission and so all things are given to those who ask but you need to ask and so it's getting in the habit of asking and that's something I like to do in the evening is get clarity on you know issues that have happened to me and then another exercise that I sometimes do before I go to sleep is doing like a rolling gratitude exercise where I go through the day and just list out all the things that I'm grateful for that happened, all of the positive things that happened in that day. And those are all tools that I use to try to uplift my state of consciousness before I go into the dream state. I do that too. I love that gratitude practice. Mm, yeah. Um, so I my work is around journaling a lot and I um, – really love the practice and you mentioned that you do it sometimes at night could you talk about journaling and how it's impacted your life and if it's something that helps you in any way or has it is oh yeah I've had journals for decades I've got like trunks of old journals that I need to I've kept them but I have to wonder whether I should burn them just to release them but I think journaling is an amazing practice to clear the stuff out of your mind you know like we have our mind that gets tossed around all the time with thoughts like let's go point a point b point a point b and your mind just can go back and forth and I find that when you write it out sometimes I write out things on my computer sometimes I write them physically pen to paper I have both I have a physical paper journal and then sometimes I just write on my laptop but just the act of writing gets to, gets that stuff clear out of your head out on paper or screen as it might be and releases it from you and I think it's just a way of getting clearing clearing space yeah. and then once you've cleared the space you leave more of, of an opportunity for the truth to rise up to the surface yeah absolutely I say in my book it's like taking the pond scum skimming it off the pond right. so you can get yes. to like the clear water yeah that. yeah yeah and yeah. and like to know that when you're writing that way it really is an exercise of dumping sometimes even yeah. if you're writing things that don't make sense or they're not rational or they feel ugly to you it's fine you know it could be like you're wallowing for the first 10 minutes but usually after you do that it tends to shift into yeah. something else but it's important to kind of express where you are so that it can move into something different yeah yeah totally I'd find that like at the beginning you know when I'm doing like my morning pages or whatever I'm it seems to be really negative and it's just kind of stuff I need to let out and then as I go down the page I start to self-soothe and I'm like well yes that happened but but it's going to be okay and then by the end it's like affirmations of happiness right (laughs) right that's a beautiful progression that I think you know you you just know it's like what we said at the very start of the conversation that sometimes there's resistance to starting something new right like you it's like going for a run when you haven't gone for a run in a while the first 10 minutes you feel kind of clunky 
and awkward and Terrible. tired. <laughs> yeah, and then your hormones, your your um, neurotransmitters kick in, and you start to feel really energized, and then the run begins to carry you. Yeah. And it's the same thing with any new practice, and the same thing I think with therapeutic journaling is you're letting out the uh, the detritus or the effluvia, you know, to begin with, and then the gold is what's underneath that. Yeah, well said. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we forgot to say this when we were talking about vaginal kung fu, but in every module there's journaling exercises and discussion that you have to do. And I think actually, Kim, that was probably the most beneficial part for me of all of it. I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, it's powerful to kind of get you really prompt us to get into these corners of our mind that we probably haven't thought about before. Right. And the corners of your vagina. Because yes. I think that as the as we do those physical practices, you will start to get memories come up or ideas or thoughts. And so having, you know, being required or you know, invited to write these things down and bring them to your conscious awareness is a really integral part of the process, which comes back to that idea of why I don't just send out an egg in the mail, right? right? Like it, it's connected to this entire journey of trying to bring things into your conscious awareness around your whole sexual experience, you know, around your vagina, your beliefs about sex, your attitudes, your actions, everything so that it becomes an integrated part of who you are. Mm, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, so I want to wrap with quick fire questions real quick. But before that, I, a new question just popped into my mind. Um, so for me particularly, and, you know, maybe people who have done your course or will do your course or or people who are just inspired by this conversation and want to share this message, right? Um, you know, share just that sexuality and tapping into your sexuality and your femininity is really important. Um, however, like we said, you know, many times, it's not really necessarily, not necessarily like accepted, but it's not prevalent in our society. And you have to have, like with teaching any spiritual concept or any nutritional concept, like the person has to be ready. And I understand that. But do you have any advice for wanting to share the, this amazingness and this lifestyle um, with other people and like the balance of being too preachy about something you're passionate about? Have you ever struggled with that? Well, I think that the way out of that is really just you know, teaching by example is rather than trying to convert people, it's that when people notice something like, you know, people off women often say, especially um, when they're doing these courses, you know, oh, people even I feel different. I look different. People are asking me, what are you doing differently? Like, did you get a haircut? Or it's like they can just perceive this something's different about these women because they're wearing more of that sexual energy. They're radiating that well fucked glow. Yeah. And so I think often and it's just as an invitation or sharing something you're interested in but you let you know it's like let people take what they like and leave the rest if they're interested they'll ask more but you know you can share your own experience you know about stuff that you're going through and if they're intrigued they'll want to know more and they'll pursue it but I don't think you have to like I never go down the line of, of preaching you know I just I'm sharing what I know and what I feel passionate about yes I love that so it's just be the light, be the yeah, example. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't need to do more than that. And the people who are ready will step forward, and those who won't, won't. Yeah, attraction, not promotion. Yeah, there you go. I love that. Um, all right, well, this has been a blast. Are you ready to wrap with some quickfire questions? Okay, let's do it. Okay, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Favorite color? 
Magenta. Favorite yoga pose? <laughs> you know, it's the one, it's sort of like um, you do a figure, I don't even know the name of it. You do a figure four, oh, um, and then you pigeon. bend. Oh, it's not pigeon, but you like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like with a box when you make kind okay. of like a box with your legs? All right, so, so okay, you put your ankle over your knee, and then you bend over. You put your fingertips on the floor, and then you oh. place your shin on top of your elbows, and yeah. then you put your other foot up behind you. It's cr- it's not crow, but it kind of looks like crow. Yeah, except that you're extended with one leg out. So whatever that is, that's my favorite yoga pose. Yeah, well, we'll think of the name. <laughs> um, okay, favorite day of the week? Friday. Favorite hour of the day? Midnight. Favorite vegetable? Arugula. <laughs> Favorite fruit? Mango. Um, what are you most excited about in your life? The future. Favorite beauty ritual? Sex. <laughs> I love that. Um, favorite way to relax? Sex. <laughs> Favorite meal you've eaten in the last week? Sex, ejaculate. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite meal I've eaten in the last week. Uh, I'm currently in Erwan, er, in Los Angeles, and my favorite place, one of them in LA is called Erwan, this super foodie, like cutting edge health food store. And they have these super food ice creams that are it's like $20 for this ice cream. And so that's my favorite thing I've eaten all week. Or there they have this tonic bar with all these like tonics and it's crazy. So they're super food ice cream. I think it's like a Jing Jing ice cream or something like that. Oh my gosh. I wish we were in person eating those (laughs) right now. That sounds amazing. You posted too about um, moon juice in your yes. um, in your email this week, and I was like, "Oh my god, I want to go there!" And I was like obsessed with them after that. There, that's what I love about being here. Is there's all kinds of really amazing, innovative health places like that, where you know, like an ice cream shop opened in Venice, and it's a purely only vegan coconut ice cream. Ah. All they make is ice cream from coconuts. Every Thursday, they go down to Mexico and they get a truckload of coconuts and they bring them back and then they make ice cream. <laughs> like, oh my god, I want that you know, right and that's now. Like, and there's always a lineup out the door. Right, like that's what I love is that the community here in in LA is so forward thinking around health and wellness that they can sustain places yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great that they can because I think it will spread. Um, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, um, what if you could have a superhero power for a day? What would it be? Flying. Favorite on the go snack. Nuts. What's one food you eat every day? I guess vegetables. What is your favorite movie? One of my favorite movies is You, Me, and Everyone You Know. Nice. Favorite book? 100 Years of Solitude. Favorite song? That changes all the time. Um, You can give your current one if you want. I'd have to look at my iPod for that. I actually don't even know. It's okay. You can report back. Okay. I'll have to report back. Okay. 
All right, so final question. As you know, the name of my blog and this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you, Kim, to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you? Um, well, I actually love that term because it's very magical and positive. And instead of, I think it looks, it to me uses the view as of wellness as this really like I was saying, these portals, these ways to step into more of who you are, like there's this beautiful universe out there and all these magical tools available to you. And that's what that, I, that image conveys to me in the most positive way. Mm, so beautiful, amazing, as well as all of the other things you shared. Thank you so much for coming here and being a mentor and guide for me. I respect you and look up to you so much. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You were really fun to jam with. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebow, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.